1 John chapter 4. Just remember, if you're hot, it's a whole lot hotter up here. And uh, I remember preaching for air conditioning days. I tell you, it was rough in those days. Of course, I, uh, you know, everybody's hot, so we didn't pay any attention. I remember preaching, I never will forget, I, I think the hottest I've ever been. I, we were not having service uh, one Sunday night, I think it's homecoming night, and went down to, uh, uh, where was it, Lexington or somewhere like that, I think, and uh, some folks in our church used to, uh, used to attend there, so we went down there and preached in a church there. Uh, the ceiling was low, you could, you could reach up and from the pulpit almost and touch the ceiling, uh, and uh, it was hot. I think it was in the summertime. Anyway, it was really hot. And uh, and I preached and sweated and preached and sweated. Uh, you know, my socks, you could have wrung water out of my socks. I think that's the hottest I've ever been. Okay, First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is their love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow before you tonight, Lord, I just want to say thank you for another privilege to preach your word. Thank you for the blessings of this day. God, we thank you for the salvation that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for that love that continues. I pray, O oh God, that you'd help us understand and help me to communicate the message in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about God's threefold love. The Bible says here that God is love. And everything that God does, uh, I think, arises out of that truth. God gives grace. God shows mercy. God is long-suffering. God is forgiving. 
and all these wonderful attributes of God, the things that God does, He does that because of His love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whatever God does, He does it because He is a God of love. I think Valentine's Day is next week. Uh, I was talking to my wife. I said they have all these holidays for women. But uh, anyway, uh, a time to show love kind of reminds me of the, uh, the man and woman been married for a number of years, and they went to get counseling. And the counselor asked the man, said, uh, you know, do you ever tell your wife that you love her? He said, I told her when I married her and said, if I change my mind, I'll tell her. But uh, sometimes that's the way we are, and uh, we don't communicate love like we ought to. Sometimes we say love, and we don't communicate. We don't act like it, and that's worse yet. But everybody likes to be loved, be it man or woman. That's a need in man's life, is a need for love. And uh, God is a God of love. Now I'd like to look at this in three ways, the past, the present, and the future. First of all, looking at it in the past, he loved me, past tense, verse 9 and 10. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why did Jesus come? tells us here he came because of his love. That's why he came. And he said that it's not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And aren't you glad that God's love for us is not dependent upon our love for him? I think there's a great misunderstanding of what love really is. Uh, certainly, uh, we, when you love someone, you hope they will return the love. And God is like that. Well, he said we love him because he first loved us. But the truth of the matter is that he loves us whether we love him or not. He loves sinners. And, uh, you know, there's a truth in the Old Testament about this in Deuteronomy chapter 7. If you'd like to look there, Deuteronomy 7. And uh, as he talks to Israel there concerning his love, Deuteronomy 7, that's page 225, verse 6 through 9. He said, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God had chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now notice he tells them that I didn't love you because really you had something to offer me. They were that, uh, that you were a great nation and a, uh, a great people, a multitude of people. He said you were the fewest of all people. I think what God is saying is you didn't, you didn't have anything to offer me. And that's, that's grace, isn't it? That's what grace is all about. 
I don't believe a person can be a recipient of the grace of God as long as they're trying to offer something to God. A person must come to that hopeless condition and uh, to uh, receive his grace. But uh, he chose Israel and shared his love upon them. Now, in verse 9, he said, In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. John 3, 16, that verse we've already mentioned there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And again we see in those verses that the grace of God flows out of his love. The fact that he loved us. God, who's rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Some preacher said that many fell under a spell of love. And uh, that uh, God... Uh, loved us so much that he was willing to give his life. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said that greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. And yet the Lord died for his enemies. He died for us and loved us when we were his enemy, when we were sinners. Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. And then Revelation 1, 5, when we stand before him, we will testify unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know, God will never cease loving us. That's a wonderful truth. And so I'm glad that uh, he loved me in the past. Now, never been a time in the past that God didn't love me. And then the present tense, not only did he love me in the past, loved me before I was saved, he loves me present tense. And verse 12 said, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. This is an ongoing love. Uh, he loved me in the past, and he continues to love me. You know, sometimes uh, couples will break up and uh, separate and divorce. And I've heard it before as you try to counsel people, they say, I don't love them anymore. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus will never say that to you. You can be sure of that. You'll never hear those words from him. You may hear it from someone that you love. And that's, you know, I, I think as, as we think of a person that doesn't receive Christ, wonder, wonder what that does to the Lord when a person says when God loves the sinner and yet the sinner refuses that love. And that's, uh, I think, a person that has had a, uh, a husband or wife say to them, I don't love you anymore. I think they've probably got a little taste of, of, of uh, how God feels. Uh, and so he continues to love us. Now, the Bible has some things uh, to say about love, uh, this present love. 
Uh, I believe I mentioned this scripture this morning, Proverbs 17, verse 17, said, A friend loveth at all times. You know, that verse has been on my mind. Uh, and uh, what friends? So we talked about God being a friend this morning. And uh, how that you go through life and you think you have a lot of friends. But when it comes down to it, it's like I told you, B.R. Lakin said, you go through life and you make a few good friends. You've done well. He says you can probably count them on one hand in a lifetime of people that are really friends. A friend loveth at all times. The question arises, am I a friend? You know, who am I a friend to? Am I God's friend? Now there he said that Abraham was the friend of God. And he said he was his friend forever. That means he loved him all the time. A friend loveth at all times. You know, that's what we need, isn't it? That's what we need in America. That's what we need in our churches. That's what we need in our homes is a continuous love. And so the Lord continues to love us. A friend loveth at all times. And then uh, are we a friend? And then the question how many friends do we really have? I thought I had friends. And then I found out they weren't friends at all. A friend loveth at all times. God loves me when I'm good and he loves me when I'm bad. And he loves me when I'm glad and when I'm sad. He loves me when I don't love him. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for that. He, there's never a time when he ceases to love me. When I, when I do wrong, it grieves him and it hurts him, but he doesn't change his mind about me. He doesn't quit loving me. He continues to love us. Present tense. Just remember that. When you think you don't have any friends, sometimes we have pity parties and we think nobody cares for us and nobody loves God. And Elijah, you know, he had that experience and the Lord said, I've got 7,000 that's never bowed the knee to Baal. You just think you're the only one. You're not. And you know, there's some more. And God's got some Christians all across this country and around the world that we don't even know about. And the world don't know about, but God knows about them. And I'm glad for that. And so, but when you're down and, and you think nobody cares and nobody understands, I want to tell you, Jesus knows what you're going through. And he loves you. If you think nobody else loves you, there will never be a time when he don't love you. When you think you don't have a friend, there'll never be a time when he won't be there for you. And when family and friends and uh, whoever may forsake you, he'll never forsake you because he loves us. His love is real. Sometimes our love is not always real, but his love is real. And, uh, you know, I try to emphasize that, and I, I've talked about it. I've talked about it for a long time to, to uh, you know, uh, the young people about trying to understand what love really is. and Don't marry for lust. If you do, you'll have problems, and it probably won't last. The marriage will probably fall apart. Marry for love, and love is given. Love is not what I can get from you, but love is given. And that's why I emphasize, uh, you know, young people, keep your hands off one another. People start touching and kissing and hugging and all that sort of thing. You know what will happen? They'll end up marrying for the wrong reason. They're married for lust. I was reading a sermon by Jack Hiles, and, and he was telling about his daughter. 
when she was married and she talked to him before she was to be married and she said, Daddy, I've got a present I'm going to give you today. It says, when you pronounce us uh, husband and wife, that'll be the first time any man has ever kissed me. He said, I'd rather have that than to have the world. I think that's wonderful. People tell you, I'm narrow-minded. I'm old-fashioned. I'll tell you, if people would follow that, they'd marry for the right reason. We wouldn't have all the problem with broken homes and broken marriages if the Word of God was followed and, and uh, this admonition was followed. He loves me. A friend loveth at all times. Romans 13 and verse 10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Love does not seek to hurt someone else. He says here, if a, if a person say, I love God and hate his brother, the Lord said in his pretty strong language, he's a liar. He don't love. Don't love the neighbor and don't love God either. Because if I love God, I'm going to love you. You know? And if I don't love you, then I don't love God either. You can't, do, you can't do one or the other. You have to do both or none. And he says it works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, he said, For the love of Christ constraineth us. You know, I think I've misused that verse. The love of Christ constraineth us. He didn't say the love for Christ, the love of Christ. And uh, we use that verse and say, we ought to be motivated by love, and I think we should. I think there are other scriptures that certainly back that up, that whatever we do for God, we ought to do it because we love Him, not just our responsibility, or not just for the preacher or whoever. We ought to do it out of love and be motivated by love, but that's not what that verse is saying. The love of Christ constraineth us. I believe he's talking about his love for me, not my love for him. You know what ought to constrain me to service? His love for me. When I realize that he loves me, then we love him because he first loved us. That ought, that's what ought to do it. And if that, if that don't motivate us, we, you know, uh, then we're not going to do much anyway when we understand the love that he has for us, what he, what he went through for us. Isn't that, isn't that what Paul is talking about in Romans 12, 1 and 2? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's talking about God's mercy to, toward us and God's love toward us is what should motivate us to do what we do. The love of Christ constraineth us. Now, uh, those he loves, he corrects. Proverbs 3.12 said, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Proverbs said, If you don't correct your children, you hate them. And he tells, If we correct them, we will deliver their soul from hell. That's good motivation, isn't it? Uh, the Lord corrects us. He don't correct us because he's mad at us. A lot of times parents use discipline in the wrong way. And they discipline a child when they get angry enough to whip them. That's the wrong reason. 
That don't accomplish anything. It ought to be done in love because we don't want them to ruin their life and go the way of the world and therefore we correct them and chasten them. The Bible said that's the way God does us. And when he chastens us, he does it out of his love. I remember having a teacher and he said that, uh, he said, I used to preach on hell. And he said, when I'd preach on hell, it seemed like I was glad people was going. Uh, remind me of another story. If I don't get the two mixed up here now, uh, a preacher, he said, uh, he brought a sermon one time, I'm glad there's a hell. He said, that caused so much trouble. I promised I'd never preach that again. Uh, but uh, I think his attitude was wrong about it. Uh, but uh, he said, I used to preach on hell, and I preached on it in that kind of attitude. And he said, one day God broke my heart, and I realized that Jesus Christ hung on a cross because people was going to hell, and God wasn't happy about it. And it broke the heart of God for sinners to reject him. And he says, now when I preach on hell... I preach on hell with a broken spirit and a contrite heart because the heart of God's broken that people are dying lost and going to hell. He gets no pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says. He wants a sinner to repent. I believe all to preach hard against sin. I believe all to preach the judgment of God. But I think at the same time, we ought to be careful what our attitude is about it. That we have the heart of God about it. Do we have the compassion and the love that needs to be in those messages? That's what I want. Sometimes I wonder if my messages are not too abrasive and, and maybe not tempered with the love and the mercy of God. He says that God corrects us. Hebrews 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The word chasten has to do with child training, and that scourge, uh, has to do, you know what scourging was? That was the whip. And so God corrects us. And some people well said, chastise them, but that's child training. You don't, have to, you don't have to whip a child. You don't have to spank a child. Oh, yes, you do. They never been once born, didn't need it. They all need it. Some need it more than others. I need more than God. I'd have got more if I'd have been caught. <laughs> yeah. I say, you've been there. But uh, love, you know, back in those days, I thought my daddy, you know, I didn't think, I thought he didn't like me. Well, I found out later, you know, that uh, he had my well-being at heart. And so God corrects us. Revelation 3:19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Thank God for his love. And then the third thing is the future. And I love this. He'll love me forever. Ain't no way God's ever going to stop loving me. You may not. You may quit loving me. I may quit loving you. But God will never stop loving me or you either if you're saved. And even if you're not saved, he's still going to love you. And we can't change that. Verse 17 and 18, Herein is their love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now he's, he simply, these verses are encouraging us to love like he loves. And the only way we can do that is for his love to be in us. 
It's unnatural for us to love anyone else except ourselves. That's easy. The Bible said no man ever hated his own flesh, you know. We, uh, we come into the world in love with ourselves. And that's our basic problem. But loving people, loving someone else, and loving God, that's where the problem is. Now he said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear I torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. This verse in Jeremiah is a blessing to me. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He's talking to Israel there. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Well, they're still in unbelief, you know. I mean, the majority of the Jewish people that's back in the land, they're, uh, the majority of them are, are really non-religious as far as having a, uh, you know, uh, a religion that they practice. And those that have the religion, they have the false religion not receiving Christ. But uh, in spite of that, in spite of the fact they crucified him, even on the cross he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prayed for his enemies on the cross. He loved them, even though they were responsible for putting him to the, on the cross. And even though they have rejected him and continue to reject him. He said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. He still loves Israel. And so should we. Well, love the things that God loves. He hates their sin. He hates their unbelief, but he loves them. And nothing can stop that. He has a plan for them. Well, you say, what about us? In John 13, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Isn't that wonderful? God said, the Lord said, I didn't stop loving you. And he never lost any of them either. You know, sometimes we may feel lost, but we're not lost. <laughs> oh, Dr. Vance Heavener, you know, when his wife died, they said, we understand that you lost your wife. He said, no, I didn't lose her. He said, I know where she's at. If you know where something's at, it isn't lost. <laughs> I like that. And the Lord knows where, he knows them that are his. The Bible said, he said, I know my sheep and have known of mine. And sometimes we may doubt our salvation. We may wonder if we're really saved, but he knows. He continues to love us. Now I want you to turn to Romans 8, this blessed scripture in Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse uh, 35. <clears throat> Romans 8, 35. And he asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our pearl, our sword, as it is written for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I don't know why I comprehend that. How can you be more than a conqueror? <laughs> well, he says we're going to be a good message, wouldn't it, to search out. We're more than conquerors. <laughs> Through him 
that loved us. For I am persuaded. Have the past love there. Have the present love in verse 35. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That secures the future. He says nothing can separate us. Well, you know, he said neither death. Some of our loved ones are going on to glory, but we still have love for them, don't we? But even death could stop it because uh, can you remember any of your relatives that died 100 years ago? You probably don't even know who they were. How can you love them? But the Bible says not even death can separate us from the love of God. Well, that tells me there has to be a life beyond death. If death ends it all, how could you love something that isn't there, that, that, that ceases to be? Love has to be real. And, and uh, here we have, he said, not death, not life, and angels, principalities, powers to come, present things, uh, things to come. Height, depth, and if he left anything out, any, any other creature, whatever you want to put in there, you just write it in there. God said that can't either. That can never separate us from the love of God. I'm glad he loves me, aren't you? I love that song, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. We think of that as a children's song, but you know that's a song for everybody. Let's bow our heads, please.